I put things into certain buckets for myself. So my music, for example, um, at some point I had to say, yes, I'd love this. And I could have said, okay, now I'm going to go out and try to make money as a drum teacher or whatever. But that's never what my music was for me. So I put it in a bucket that said, this is my passion and it never needs to make me money. This thing over here, course building, things like that. It's my passion. I love it. I think about it all day and it's marketable. And so that's what goes into that bucket. And I think where a lot of people that I've met who have gotten stuck say, um, I want to make money as a photographer. That's great. How much are you willing to give up in order to do that? And they say nothing. I'm like, well, then maybe that should be you know, your passion project. And it's okay. Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. And now, here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. This is episode 22 of the Second Breaks Podcast, and it is Tuesday, October 24th, 2017, as I record this episode. And I cannot wait to introduce you to my guest today, Super Greg Eiler. And I don't know where that word super came from. Last week, it was lovely Kathy Borg. This week, it's Super Greg Eiler. You never know what's going to come out here at Second Breaks headquarters, but there you have it, Super Greg Eiler. And I'm so excited to introduce you to him because he is actually the first person on the show who is actually in the midst, in the process of carrying out his career pivot. And so we got to explore with him and he was so generous. Greg was so generous in sharing his experiences, his the things that he's actually doing and not doing in order to be able to carry out this career pivot. The other reason that I'm really excited to bring his story to you is because, you know, you've heard that phrase, leverage your strengths or start from a position of strength. Well, Greg is the perfect example of somebody who's doing just that. While he is absolutely doing a pivot, he is also drawing upon his strengths. He is drawing upon his skill set to make it happen. Uh, to use his words, his phrase, you know, he is making a calculated risk to change the direction of his career. Really, it's a fantastic story and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So I should really get out of the way and transition to the call with Greg. And as usual, I will catch up with you at the back end. Hi, Greg. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, no problem. Hi, Lou. So I am very excited to be talking with you today because you're actually the first person that I'm interviewing who is still in the process, still in the midst of this wonderful career move that you're doing. Right, knee deep in it. Yes, exactly. So I was hoping (laughs) to kind of explore that with you this morning. Uh, But just to kind of set this up uh, for the listeners, Greg, you are an instructional designer. Yeah, that's your main career. That's right. For a company in that capacity. Yep. Uh, And and we're going to talk about when exactly this happened. But somehow you've decided to take that expertise and create a consulting business out of it, mm-hmm. right? That's right. And yeah. so maybe, if you don't mind, we could start with the catalyst question. Kind of what pushed you to branch out and take your expertise beyond the safe corporate world? 
Sure. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that because I do still have one foot in the safe corporate world. Um, there are a few things, you know, as you can see, I'm a little bit longer in the tooth and I've learned a few things over my life. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a matter of also just being ready for something new. But more than that, it's um, I, I've got a master's in instructional design. But over the years, I've really been looking at how people change their behavior. Mm. And that's that's where my cup of tea is. And that's what I specialize in. And I'm passionate about it. I love it. Yeah, you know, and I, I love doing the work. The problem that I have when working with a big company is sometimes you're helping people do things that maybe you're not passionate about yourself. Right? Mm. And setting that aside, I'm also a musician and all of my friends and cronies are all creatives. And I love creatives. And one day I realized how many people I knew where I was looking at them saying, I wish I could do what you do. You're just, you're fantastic at what you do. You've been working on it for so long. You could do it in your sleep. Doing what I do and doing what you do, is there a way we could bottle this thing, put it together so the rest of the world can see what you do? Yeah. Mm. You're probably like me. We've attended courses before. And a lot of times the instructor, maybe they're knowledgeable, but they're not very good instructors. Maybe we take an online course and we really don't get a lot out of it. Uh, I'm like, okay, there's a gap there. And I think I can help fill that. So it's really a matter of how do I take these fantastic, wonderful people who have great things going on and have lots of great things to share and combine it with what I know about educating people. And I think there's a really nice opportunity for that. Mm -hmm. So I said one day to my wife, I said, I think about doing this. And she goes, go for it. And I thought it would take me, you know, maybe three months. And it's been probably a year and a half. Oh, so my goodness. It's, it's, so we're going, yeah. So just a total, total segue on the side, because yeah. I caught yeah. something you said. Musician, so what do you play? Yes. So I play drums. I've been a drummer for 30 years. It's probably the thing I do best, you know, but I've had to make a lot of choices in my life. And one of them was, uh, do I go out and play dirty, smoky bars every night as a drummer? Uh, or do I do a little bit, you know, play the safer route? And at that, that time we were having kids and starting a family. And I said, well, maybe I'll go the safer route. Yes, and my yes. other, the other side of my passion was education. I'm just a strong believer in education. So that's why I went into uh, instructional design. Gotcha. Um, and so do you have a band like on the side on Saturday nights? Kinda... Oh, yeah. Great question. That's what everybody <laughs> asks me. Uh, Sorry. You know, let, let's just segue. Let's just say that, that <laughs> bands, the, the reason the Rolling Stones are so good is because they've managed to stay together. Together. That's uh -huh, the only yes. It's so hard to keep a band together. I don't have one right now. I've got my drums in my garage. <laughs> you know, I, I bug the neighbors with those, but that, that's keeping me happy for right now. My focus is all on trying to get this business up and going. Cool beans. Sorry for that. It's just, you know, oh, it's great. It, it caught great. my ears. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. exciting yeah. stuff on the side. So, um, so getting back to so you've decided, you talked to your wife that you were going to yeah. do this. And yes. did you say about a year and a half ago? Is that what you said? A year ago? It's probably so? about a year and a half ago, yeah. So yeah. how did you actually start? So like if I'm thinking of, let's say I've, you know, I'm in my corporate world and I'm thinking yeah. of doing this, what did you actually do first? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd like to back up a little bit and say, I think the first thing that had to happen was a change of mindset. Mm. And so I am, uh, I'm 48 now. And so as I grew up in the eighties and the nineties, I was being geared for college and I was being geared for corporate America and things like that. And so all of my energy was being into how do I create the best opportunities for myself in that world? And once I got into that world, you know, I, I did well in my career. 
as that was going on, the world was changing around me, such as, you know, hey, did you know that you can go out and freelance and you can consult? And there's all kinds of tools that you can use to do these things. And so it, it almost I needed a mindset shift and I needed to give myself permission to say, hey, there, there are now new ways of doing business, which nobody had ever told me. They don't teach you that in college. They don't do any of that in formal education. Mm-hmm. They tell you how to go get a job at a, at a big company. So it was that was probably the biggest aha moment was that shift in mindset. Mm. And then, oh, and then I just started to do my research, say, oh, this person's pointing me towards these tools and these tools and these tools. And so then it was a, just a matter of saying, okay, um, you know, following the, the Tim Ferriss models or whatever you might want out there and say, find your niche. Mm-hmm. I explored you know, music, I explored drumming, I explored uh, photography, because I also love photography. And then I finally landed on said, what is it that I think I can make a difference in? And that was probably going to be, um, you know, course building. I think that's what I do well. Yes. And now I can help most people. Gotcha, gotcha. So you talked about the mindset shift. Uh, do you did you uh, looking back now? Do you do you did you find that you had a that was a challenge for you? Was that a hurdle for you at all, or it was just a, or there yeah, were other um, bigger hurdles that you had to, you know, face? it was. But I've I've been I'm I'm, I'm okay with taking risks. It's kind of how I've I've lived my life. You know, I've been a traveler, and I've always noticed. I think from the early days, I was traveling when I was very young. The one thing I knew is like once I took that step and got myself out there, you rarely turn back. You always go forward. You might come back, yeah. but you always go forward, and you always find your way moving forward. Uh, so that for me wasn't a problem. But that said, as I started to approach people and say, hey, you know, wonderful graphic designer, let's work together. I think you should go and, and build your course and teach others because you're absolutely fantastic. You'd see their shoulders tighten up. Mm. You know, you'd see them go, uh, I, I, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if that's something I can do. So I could see that, okay, maybe that mindset wasn't hard for me to grasp. But it's hard for a lot of people. Yes. It is hard for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. And I get it. Yeah. So um, there are a couple of paths that I wanted to take this conversation. Um, just trying to decide which one do I attack first. But let's, um, how open or transparent were you, if you don't mind sharing, how open or transparent were you with the with your employer about what you wanted to do? Yeah. Uh, so the people that, that sign my paychecks and things like that, not very. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I talk to them about my outside passion, but I've been very good at keeping them separate. Uh, that said, I've also been very good at making sure I get my most important work done at work. I do have some people at work that I share my ideas with, and they're, they're other creatives. Mm-hmm. And so we can talk about you know sharing our ideas and things like that. I'm starting to talk about it more and more with them and, and tell them a little bit about what I'm doing. But I never wanted to um, – cross the two. I never wanted to do my work when I was there. I never mm-hmm. wanted to use their resources. I never wanted to give them the impression that uh, when I was there, I wasn't focusing on their stuff 100%. So I had to find new habits and new ways to get work done so that I could do both. And that was probably the biggest challenge, at least with time. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, while we're on this subject, you're still full time, right, Greg? You didn't like yeah. do a part take a- I'm, okay. I'm still full time. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, how are you um, managing? You mentioned time management, right? So, yeah. uh, as usual, constraints 
make us do better, you know, find sure, better ways of doing sure. things, right? But so time management, obviously, but how are you guarding against burnout or like yeah, alcoholic or, you know, just doing work yeah. all the time? Great, great question. And I'll say, you know, it's, it just took about, it, it took me a couple of months just to set up some new habits. So first thing I did was, uh, you know, I used to be a sleeper. I used to sleep until eight o'clock, get up and then just run to work. Um, I don't do it that anymore. I'm up at six, you know, I sleep at nine. And so I found a couple hours in the day. The other thing I discovered was uh, I am most creative in the morning, like during this time. And so I get up and I do my morning routine and then I start working on this project uh, in the morning. And then I usually do that until maybe nine o'clock and then I'll, I'll head into the office and work there. Mm. One of the other things that I did was I noticed I was spending a lot of time at work, socializing, doing, you know, just busy work, attending meetings that I really didn't need to be in. So I changed the way that I worked there to be more effective. So my productivity has gone up at work. So now they're, they're less concerned about where I am or what I'm doing because I'm, I'm producing so much more. Right. Um, I'm communicating with people, you know, more often than I was before. I'm meeting with my managers and leaders, you know, once a week and telling them what I'm up to with my work. I'm getting very clear. I also had noticed that I was volunteering a lot of my time at work to help people at work. And I shifted that. I said, mm -hmm. okay, when I'm there, I'll do the things they'll pay me to do. If I'm going to volunteer my time, I'm going to volunteer it to you or I'm going to volunteer it to another creative or somebody that, that I'm passionate about. Because that's, that's where I want to see the investment. That's where I want to see the return. So it was, it was a, manager, a matter of coming up with new habits. And I'm there usually from, you know, we have a very flexible work environment. So I'm usually in the office between 10 and 5. I'm usually out by 5 and sometimes I have to work at night, sometimes on the weekend. I'm also lucky that I do a lot of project work. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I've been doing it long enough where I know how to complete things when they need to get done and things That's like true. that. So it's, it's worked out pretty well. That's a good point. Now, along the same lines, um, did you find that because you're having to fit another project, a, a yeah. big project, right, on top yeah. of the full-time job, did you find that you were having to take away time from, say, your significant other or family, you know, family my, time? Yeah. And my family, um, you know, at first, and but not for the reasons you might think. So one of the things that really helped me was to treat this side business as another work project, right? So a lot of people, or maybe when I first started, I said, okay, I'm going to do my, my, my day job from nine to five, let's say, and then my side job in the early morning and late at night. And then I looked at that and said, well, well, that doesn't make sense. Um, so I started to treat this like a project. Say, so, okay, when is it? that I need to do certain types of work. Uh, so for example, writing and creating and developing in the morning, regardless of which job I'm doing. Meetings, admin stuff, later in the day, because that's when I'm kind of at my lowest and I'm looking for a cup of coffee. And so that kind of stuff, I looked at it as this was just one more project that I needed to do, and now I'm just working 10 hours a day rather than I, the eight that I was putting in before. So that really helped me. Uh, and then I also made sure that, hey, when I get home at six, my computer's shut. I don't touch anything for those couple hours when I'm with my family. My kids are still fairly young, so they're in bed pretty early. And I turn it all off and I pay attention to them. And again, I've been getting much more done. They see me a whole lot more. And I think it was just a matter of creating those habits. 
And quite honestly, I'm just not spending as much time during the day just hanging out. Because, I mean, if you go to the corporate world, a lot of people are hanging out. Yes. <laughs> you really yes. are. They're hanging out, you know, hanging by each other's desks, talking. and right. That's great. I don't do a lot of that anymore. Yes. Yeah. Prioritization, right? So you're like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Greg. Because um, I find that that's one of the... Uh, questions that I uh, that I hear often when people have these other I- idea that they have that I wanted to pursue on the side is that right. this idea of oh my God I'm already you know busy up to my neck with the work that I'm doing and then I have to right. do this on the side and where the heck am I going to find the time right yeah. uh, and so it, this is one of those common mindset sort of uh, things that people kind of get tripped up with. Where are they going to yeah. find the time? But the reality is you find the time, right? Or you, yeah. you make well, it's time. Yeah, I do like that. And if I could tell people out there, you know, I think one of the things to do is like just just get a journal. Just write down your day like for a good couple of weeks and you'll realize how much time you're spending wasting you know, during those times. Another thing that I did and I picked this up from productive, productivity people on the Internet. You know, I only answer emails twice a day. And that really helps. Mm, mm. I no longer, I'm not on the phone during the day. I'm not answering messages. I'm never on Facebook. I'm not trolling YouTube. I don't do these things anymore. You know, these, these bright, shiny objects come because I'm trying to get this stuff done. The other thing that I will say that was a mindset shift was um, patience. And so I looked at it and said, okay, I've got this big project. And then when I started, I'm like, how am I going to get this done if I'm only working on it an hour a day or two mm. hours a day? And I said, well, the way I'm going to get it done is I'm just going to keep doing it. And mm-hmm. if it takes me a year or two, it takes me a year or two. But in two years, I will have done something that somebody else hasn't done because they got lazy, because they quit, because I couldn't find the time. So that's really helped me too. As long as I create some really small wins for myself each week, I know I'm heading in the right direction. And five years from now, I'll look back and go, well, yeah. damn, I, I accomplished a lot of stuff. I yeah. love that. I'm going to make yeah. a point of that for myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I'm hard. going to yeah. remind myself that what you just said about being patient, you know, and the cumulative impact of the, even though what seemingly little work or small steps that we're doing is that it accumulates. And, you know, a year from now, you know, you have something that other people don't have because they didn't do the little steps or the small steps, right? That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. So the other thing that I wanted to ask you a few minutes ago when I was deciding which path to take sure. was when, when you were giving the example of as you approach, say, your designer, uh, a graphic designer, friend of yours, and talk to them about uh, the possibility of uh, doing something, a course or, you know, teaching, right? Teaching mm-hmm. their expertise. And I was wondering whether uh, this is something that uh, you experience because this this is what I experienced. So I had a certain level of expertise. I was a consultant for a long time, for 15 years. And mm-hmm. so before before I left the corporate world, I s- thought to myself, well, I've been a consultant for over 15 years. I'm used to selling mega projects. Sure. Uh, and so I, I know this stuff, right? So I can do this on my own. But then I realized that there is a big difference between selling uh, for my company Mm-hmm. and selling uh, selling for the company that I work for, I should say. So yeah. the big name of the company that I work for over my head versus selling for myself, for, sure. for the stuff that I do, right? Sure. And so I was wondering, was that sort of what you were experiencing or something completely different? 
Uh, you know, that's it. I don't know yet. Let's put it that way. So one of the things I'm cautious about is there's a lot out there around. There are a lot of stories out there about, hey, you can do this too. You know, you can get out there. You can open up your own shop. You can do this. You can sell. And I think I think that's true sometimes. But usually I think the truth is really found somewhere, you know, in the middle. It's like, yes, that is true if – you're communicative, you're gregarious, you know how to handle your time management, um, you don't mind doing a little bit of sales and things like that. So I think there's a formula. I really, really do. I don't think everybody should take off and just start up their own business. Um, I'm, I'm a fairly, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I take uh, calculated risks. Mm. So this to me is a calculated risk where I'm going out there saying, okay, I know if I put together a quality product, uh, you know, and people resonate with it, that's awesome. I'll continue with it. If they don't and they're asking for something different, then I'm going to look at it and say, is that something I'm passionate about? If I am, great. If not, I'll probably go back to what I was doing because I'm doing this because I love it. You know, it's not because I'm trying to, you know, I, ha- I have some other you know, other agenda. I just, I just love what I do and I really believe in it. So that's kind of the mindset I've had is Mm. this is the work I want to do. The nice thing is I've been able to take a lot of what I have learned by going through this experience and bring it into the workplace. Um, A lot of the same things that we tell people are the things that you and I might talk about, like you need to be able to brand yourself. Well, you know what? In corporate America right now, you're not getting anywhere unless you can brand yourself. You know, it's true there. You need to be able to sell yourself. Same thing there. You need to be able to sell your own product. You need to be able to sell your ideas. So a lot of those things are the same now. And so I think it's just a matter of, hey, do people want what I have to offer? And they could they could say no. They, yeah, they, they could. And, and that's the thing that's on my mind is, do I know if they want it or not? Um, I've had a little bit of success, but I don't know if people want it yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, one last question in this sort of uh, track before I change sure. direction on you. But yeah. uh, so um, from your perspective, Greg, having, you know, doing this now for a year and a half um, and talking to the person who might be listening, who wants to figure out a way to move out of corporate world, you know, take their expertise and maybe start something on the side. Yeah. Uh, follow sort of kind of what you're doing. What's one or two things that you might advise them to do first? Uh, find out what that thing is. Mm. And so I went through a process to figure out what I want to do. So for example, I, I put things into certain buckets for myself. So my music, for example, mm. um, at some point I had to say, yes, I'd love this. And I could have said, okay, now I'm going to go out and try to make money as a drum teacher or whatever. But that's never what my music was for me. So I put it in a bucket that said, this is my passion. And it never needs to make me money. It it never needs to make me money. This thing over here, course building, things like that, it's my passion. I love it. I think about it all day. And it's marketable. And so that's what goes into that bucket. And I think where a lot of people that I've met who have gotten stuck, say, um, I want to make money as a photographer. It's like, that's great. Uh, how much are you willing to give up in order to do that? And they say nothing. I'm like, well, then maybe that should be you know, your passion project. And it's okay. You know, I had a boss early on in my career that 
that taught me this. You know, he was a um, he was a teacher, and he said the problem with teaching is it didn't allow him to do all the other things in his life that he wanted to. So he opened up a business, continued to teach people within that business, but that business allowed him now to do everything else in life that he wanted to. So I think it's a matter of um, figure out what your love and your passion is and find out what kind of vehicle you want it to be. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Do you want it to be the thing that makes you money? If so, you're probably going to have to make some sacrifices. If not, put it in your passion bucket Go find something you really enjoy doing that people pay you for that might not be your passionate thing mm-hmm. and, and do that. Because I think, you know, it, it's just so rare if you're great at something and people pay and, you to do it yes. and you love it. It's just rare. Yes. Yeah. As, a, as my uh, sarcastic friend would tell me, he loves eating pizza, but nobody is going to pay him to eat pizza. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Or I heard a woman in a in a career book once say, "Yeah, I'd love to be a ballerina." She was from New York. So she had this great sarcastic sense of humor. It's like I would love to be a ballerina, but I'm 45 and my legs don't come up past my knees. There you go. So I'm not going to be a ballerina. So, exactly. so I think there's a little bit of that that's yeah. that's shifting too. We've been telling everybody you can be whatever you want when you grow up for many many years. I yes and yes there's an end to that statement thank <laughs> yes, you and. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. thank yeah. you so much that's brilliant yeah. so greg i just wanted to i wanted to change directions a little bit sure. and pick your i hate this phrase but i use it all the time i have to figure out a different way of saying it but pick your brain mm-hmm. uh so because uh, you've been in this industry for a while right and so yep. it seems to me from the outside that this whole online education has just exploded right so there's yes. linda.com yes. there's Skillshare, there's Udemy, there's Creative Live, and and so there's. Um, it seems as if it's exploded, and yes. um, and so I guess, what's your perspective as someone who is in there? Is it is it yeah. really is it is it peaked? Is is it? What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, great. And so, and then pull me out my soapbox once I'm done talking about this because I'll I'll get ranting about this. So I think I've seen a few things happen. Mm. So when I was in school, it was all about um, where technology met education. So for years and years and years, um, you'd had a number of clinical psychologists and educators out there really learning how people learn. Okay, so they were learning how the mind worked and things like that. Bring in technology. And it kind of ignited it, and it absolutely took off. And they mm. said, okay, well, now what we can do is we can take all this stuff we know about learning, and we now have this great device by which we can we can share it with people around the world. Fantastic. The problem was is that the technology left the, the academics and the psychology and the research behind, right? And it said, hey, what's most important now is what I'll call accessibility. Mm. Udemy... Um, Udemy is one of them. Skillshare mm-hmm. is one of them. Coursera is one of them on all these things. What they've done is they've created platforms. So I look at it as they've created these virtual universities that you can go to, and you can take a class on just about anything from just about anyone. Mm. Okay? And I say that in bold because if I was to go, if I was going to go to a university, I would not be able to take a class from just about anyone. It would be a professor. Mm-hmm. who's probably been in their field for 20 years, who has probably got some kind of experience or some kind of help educating. Now that's argumented because I've, I've heard people say to me, no, some of my professors are actually terrible. <laughs> I say, okay. Um, 
But you get my, and they might have somebody come in and actually uh, audit the course and sit in the back and say, okay, how good is this professor? All of that went away when courses went online. Things are no longer audited. If you think about Udemy, and I'd like to pick on these guys a lot, I love what they're trying to do. They're trying to make education accessible to people. Their bottom line is how many courses can we sell? How many clicks can we sell? That's mm. what they're after. That's what they're after. If you were to go in and find a real educator, that would not be their agenda. Their agenda would be how many people can I help? So they're always thinking about the learner. So to answer your question maybe directly, and try, again, trying to get off the soapbox a little bit, I think what you've seen is an explosion of accessibility. Right. So technology now makes education accessible to us. You're also seeing something that they've known as out there, which is just the hunger and the eagerness of people around this world to learn. You know, mm. And I've challenged them to try to stop learning tomorrow. You couldn't do it. We are wired to do it. 7% of the people on this planet have access to higher education. Mm. 7%. Mm-hmm. The other 93, where are they going? Because they still want to learn. That's true. They're going to their phones. 4.5 billion people have a phone. That's true. They're going to their phones. So they're hitting places like Udemy and Skillshare. Now, I, I love lynda.com because of where they came from, but they kind of fall into the same camp. Creative Live is another one as well. So I think where you're going to see a lot of shift, I hope we see a lot of shift, and this is the space I'm trying to play in, is it's not okay just to pick up a camera and start teaching people without mm. knowing what's best for that learner. What's their attention span? How do they learn? What kind of information is best to put online? And what's information that you still just need to share like this with a coach? There's some things you can't get rid of. We're not really seeing that yet. And so if I was to work with, a, let's say, a graphic designer, that's what I'd be able to do. Say, let's, let's look at online learning as, as a tool and let's use it in that best way. And let's also be really honest with the student and let them know what it can and cannot do. And then this is how you make up for it. This is how you give them feedback. This is how you give them coaching. This is how you continue to meet with them and make sure that you have interventions along the way so they can continue to learn. Because all of us know, you know, my, I think my joke is, you know, if, if you could just take a class online and learn, a lot more of us would be able to play guitar, you know, flamenco dance speak a second language, but we don't. And we don't because it's just another form of information. And so I think where the opportunity is, is for people like us to say, what's the best way to use this medium? How do we interact best with our, with our learners, not our consumers, our learners, because the learners will consume if they like the, the product. And then um, how do we continue to give them the things that they need to continue learning and improve and be better. And then I think the the last piece to that is these big sites like Udemy and Lynda.com and places like that. When you go there and you put a course up there, they keep most of the money. They, they handle all the marketing and stuff like that, but they keep most of the money. Udemy, for example, could decide tomorrow that your courses are only worth $10 and you could have spent two years making it. But they're like, nope, it's only worth 10, 10 bucks to us. So we're going to sell it for 10. I want to give that control back to the educators. Say, here's how you put it on your own site. 
Here's how you market it yourself. So you have control over the educational experience, not a big platform like them. I think there's opportunity for that too. And I'm starting to see that in a lot of industries where people are putting things on their own site. They're good products. People are people are really resonating with it. They know they're getting something of quality, That's quality right. at that point. So two tracks, uh, Greg, and I, I'm yep. looking at time and I want to be respectful of your time, but I do want to I don't want to pursue two separate tracks. So from from sure. the learner's perspective, right? Yes. And so because I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking back, you know, there was a time in my life where um, my degrees in accounting, but I was uh, I became interested in IT. So I went back to school. So I went back to school mm-hmm. nights and weekends to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to learn IT and get a second degree in IT. Mm-hmm. But um, and I was just thinking that with, you know, with all these platforms, mm-hmm. if 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 all these if all these platforms were avail- available to me back then uh maybe i didn't have to go to school uh nights and weekends because it would be more accessible although what you were saying about the quality of the education so so i would have had to learn how to uh i guess qualify maybe is that a good word or evaluate yeah. before purchasing would would that yes. be your your thing for the learners from the learner's perspective Yes, and there's there's a couple of layers in there. So one of them is, well, you can look at the way that our system is set up. I've got a nephew that's doing this right now. He can get online and take all of his classes. Is he learning? Don't know. Does he care? Probably not at this point because he's just getting his two years done with a community college, and he just needs to get a couple classes done. You know, so for him, it's like, hey, this makes total sense. I just need to get credit for this class. But for somebody who's showing up and saying, I'm trying to think of, of something, how, how to run a business. I'm working with some people right now that say how to run a business. Um, you you want to know that the person that's teaching you that can show you how to run a business. And you also, in order for me to do that, I need to know something about myself. I need to be able to say, okay, I'm pretty good with information. At some point, Lou, I'm going to want to call you. I'm going to want to connect. I'm going to need to bounce some ideas off you. I'm also going to, I work best if I have a workbook or something, some tools that I can kind of work through. Um, I'd, it'd also be great if you told me, hey, this is going to take three years rather than three months. I mean, so I need to know a little bit about myself in coming in. The other thing I would say from a learner's perspective to keep in mind is when you go to a university, a lot of times you will hear from other people. Go take that instructor. Yes, they're that's awesome. True. Yeah, they're the ones you're going to learn from the most, right? The best that we have right now online are stars, thumbs, <laughs> like a thumb up, or you might see a little tiny review at the bottom, but we don't know where those reviews are coming from. So that too has been eliminated. So we don't know who the good the good instructors are anymore. And now you combine that with the fact that anybody can be an instructor. It's like, wow, I've got to go out there and now find the good ones. That's why I think there's opportunity for people like you or, or sole proprietors to say, if you trust me and I've got a course, you at least know that what I'm providing is good content because you trust me. That's as right. The person. Right. You have a relationship with me. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Now, that leads me to the other track that I mm-hmm. wanted to explore with you, which is from now from the educator's 
perspective, right? Which is, yeah. so let's say that I do have an expertise. I'm a Java developer, whatever it is, my expertise, yeah. right? But, and I, I, um, I do coaching on this, like in the context of my work, you know, I, I teach people and that kind of stuff, but I have a, I have this urge to want to teach and want to try this space. Um, yeah. So where should I start? Um, how should I yeah. even begin? Because I, to your point, um, there are people out there who probably shouldn't be teaching <laughs> or yeah. probably don't have enough to teach or know enough. Great, to teach or great point. Great point. I would say start with me. Yeah. Call me. We'll <laughs> talk about and, and what I'll do is I'll hit you up beside the head and say, you don't want to do this or you do want to do this. Right. Uh, and we can, we would kind of talk through that where I would start if I was to say, I wanted to, <clears throat> just try this out i'd probably go to youtube set up a camera make sure i've got a nice background and just start talking to people about some of the things that i do and just start to get some feedback just see if people even like my content they'll be clear about it they'll tell you you know hey you're really good at this if i'm really good at that uh then i might go and take a course like this and there's others out there and go take something like that to say okay now how do i build something that is um got a very good framework that puts the learner first and i could build it build it more that way so it's like i think any business model you know where you go out and testing but i think that is how youtube should be used mm -hmm. is go out there and just put some stuff out there and just try it out or even just send it out to some people that you know uh i've been telling people this lately where i'm building courses with i said you know have you turned on your camera yet I'm like nope go turn your camera on go make sure it's something you're comfortable doing because that's the medium right now right See how you come across, find out, you know, look behind you, make sure there's no cats and bikes hanging from the walls and things like that. Make sure you don't have these harsh lights on your, you know, little things like that. And then, um, then go post it. Another thing you could do in, you know, I was, I was slamming Udemy earlier is you can go put something on Udemy and see if you, see if you get anything. You might have content that, that people really, really like. Most of the people I end up working with, have uh they've been in they've been in their game for a while yeah like they they know what they know and they're at that point going i know what i know and as i talk to them more well you really know what you know like you should be teaching others how to be a project manager or a business owner or a whatever it might be you should be doing that um so i would i would say that those are kind of probably two different people but yeah turn the camera on and see how it works for you brilliant well that's yeah. also very doable and does not require a ton of stuff because yeah. everybody's got a camera on their phones these days right so we don't yeah, need it, to it, it, invest on anything yep yeah. yeah, and what I'll have soon, if you know, another thing to look for, and, and I can I could provide this to people too, if you really wanted to do that, is find some kind of a workbook or something that'll show you how to. Yeah, you know, when you're building courses, you learn how to go through a certain mm. some certain steps, mm -hmm. and so I'll be able to tell you. Step one is this, two this. It's it's a series of steps. It's a formula that we go through. Make sure we we plug in all the different things, and it's 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 very doable but it takes time yeah well this is a good segue for my final question to you greg where can people sure. find you yeah um check out buildgreatcourses.com uh that's the website still being worked on right now again i'm still working full time so trying to get that thing up is taking me longer than it should uh and they can always reach me at greg at buildgreatcourses.com uh, I'm, I'm still at a point where I can answer people's emails directly if they have any questions. And I found, find that what I'm, the, most of the questions I'm answering right now are just like the ones you just asked. Yeah. You know, 
Where do I start? How do I know if I should do this? What are the different models? And I can point people to different models and say, go, go check out what these guys are doing over here and see if that's what you want to do. Or if it's something you want to plug and play, put up online and walk away from, because those are two completely different things. Uh, but now I would also tell people now is a really, really good time because I think learners are going to get tired of these mega sites and going to start wanting to find the true, true experts and stick with them. Oh. I think that's coming next. I really, really do. That's excellent. Well, Greg, thank you so much. You've been very generous. I appreciate it with your insights oh, and for yep. sharing your career story with us. Yep. Thank you. No problem. Good luck to you. Good luck to everybody else. And we'll talk soon somewhere down the road. Yes. I hope you enjoyed that call with Greg. Now, listen, my friend, the mission of this podcast, the reason I am doing this show is to reach as many career professionals out there who's looking to make a change, to provide models of possibilities in terms of how we can actually take control of our careers and change its direction in this day and age. And you can help me with this goal, with this mission by doing two things. One, by subscribing to the show on iTunes and two, by leaving me a rating and review. Those two steps go a long way in putting this podcast in front of the people who could actually benefit from the show. So you can search for Second Breaks podcast on iTunes, or you can simply go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review, and that link will take you directly to the show on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So that's a wrap for this week, my friend. You can find the show notes and all that kinds of good stuff at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 22. You can leave a comment there or you can ask me a question or ask Greg a question. I'm sure he'd love to answer. Uh, also, you can say hello. You can tweet me at secondbreaks or you can send me an email, lou at secondbreaks.com. I would so love to hear from you, to hear about you know your career, what you're trying to do, what your goals are, or even simply what you're doing as you're listening to this podcast. We've also got a pretty good backlist of episodes now. You could download past episodes on um, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or even better, subscribe to the podcast so you don't ever have to miss future episodes at all. I will be back next week with a new guest to inspire you, to get you motivated, to get those juices flowing so you can start your career move or at least, at the very least, start planning for it. Okie dokie. Till then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 